My family was hiding my phone. I was bringing in drugs illegally from Mexico. That's how bad my pain was, that it triggered my drug addiction. And I was bringing in more drugs from Mexico, just knocking myself out on Xanax every day, all day, 180 pills in four days. No. And I faced him and my daughter, because my daughters were hiding the phone. And I said, I'm starting an organization against plastic surgery and people that have been harmed by it. I was the worst patient in the world. I turned 50, y'all, and I started a podcast. Really, age is just a number. It comes down to how we choose to live and the choices we make in our life, and those things accumulate. Don't let the programming of life keep you from doing things every single day that, that make you happy. When we feel good, it's easy to think good. Life is not happening to you. You are your life. You are happening to your life. Welcome to the podcast. In this episode, I talked to Gia Heller. Gia is an expert in plastic surgery. Uh, not only has she had extensive plastic surgery, we're going to talk about all of those procedures, uh, but she has really done the research and can really be called a patient advocate um, in the realm of plastic surgery. So I hope you enjoy this uh, conversation with Gia. You want to talk about plastic surgery? I love talking about plastic surgery. So before we get started, I want to just kind of set the stage here because, and give some perspective of like who we are and like why we're talking about this. I mean, there's multiple reasons why we're talking about this, mm-hmm. but we are both, well, you're 49 to be specific. I'm 50 years old. Um, and we uh, are both people who... And if I say anything that's not correct, uh, the way I describe you, but I'll say for myself, I'm definitely a person who who wants to look my best. You know, I um, do what I can through my own diet and my own exercise and my own skincare and my own, you know, self care to try to 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 look my best, right? And um, but also um, there's lots of tools and um, and procedures (laughs) that we can and do utilize in order to, in order to maintain the way we want to look. Um, and I know you, we both have had things done and we're going to, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk specifically about what each of us have done and what we want to do. Oh, great. I have no idea what you've got. Um, and, and just talk about like, you know, not only like, I'm going to talk about my love hate relationship with plastic Do surgery. It. And I just want to get real with people about what recovery really means and what it looks like. Go ahead. Because one of the things that people really have to understand about plastic surgery is your surgeon is only responsible for 50% of your results. The other 50% of your results, even if your surgeon is top skilled are your recovery skills and the team you've got around you. Because in recovery, you can either harm your recovery or help your recovery. So you need to be on specific itineraries. I coach people on nutrients they should be stocked with, how they can get their inflammation down before surgery so their body reacts in a very positive way. But there's two sides to plastic surgery. You know, there's the one where I really, really want this. And at the end, you're like, wow, I'm so, so happy I did this. But there's an in-between stage, which can be very, very ugly, very, very dark. And for me, it definitely hit some very rock bottom moments. So for example, when I had my breast job in 2014, I didn't have your average breast job. I had a complete vertical lift. I had a lot of extra skin removed, a lot of extra tissue removed. And because of that, I would have went from a very busty girl to a small chested girl. I did not want that. Uh, But with my lift, they had to take so much to fix them. So I put an implant under the muscle. I also decided to have a stratus, which is basically an internal bra made either out of allergen material or pig skin. Mine was made out of pig skin. I could smell this thing coming up through my nose and throat for 90 days until it became a part of my body and my body grew over it. The one thing that I didn't, and I demanded this bra because I knew that I was going to have bigger boobs and I wanted them to be high and and to look good and not maybe need another boob job for a very long time. And 
What I didn't realize about this bra was that it was going to be bolted to my rib cage. The level, okay, so while I had this surgery, which during the surgery, my plastic surgeon realized I was a gymnast. And what that meant was he said it was like working on a transvestite. It took four and a half hours just to pull my muscles oh off my the God. chest to be able to get the implants underneath the muscle. Otherwise, I would have had really weird boobs. Instead, they're very bouncy. This is all my own meat, you know, here, which I wanted. But to get that look of them still looking like a good, I had to put that damn implant in, which I don't regret at all because they're perfect. But the level of pain I experienced, I also did a nose job at the same time. Uh, he thought it would be eight hours. It ended up being 12. At hour eight, they went to my husband in the waiting room, who I think was 22 at the time. And they said, we're going to need an extra 6,000 because they said they're going to be in there at least more four more no. hours. He said four more hours. She's been in there eight hours. My best friend at the time was like, what? 12 hours of plastic surgery? Is Bobby crazy? We were all friends. And um, they said things have got, got complicated with the, the muscles. It took longer. Then they did the nose job. So first of all, you're on hospital drugs, right? So you're coming off heroin, basically. And you're like so fucked up on all these other drugs you're taking to keep the pain at a minimum because my levels of pain were like 30. I mean, my boobs were my rib cage, my nose, I couldn't even feel. My chest was so bad, I never even felt my nose job. But what I did see in the mirror at the end of my nose job, first of all, my nose was like this. I looked like Phantom of the Opera, the black and white ones with the pictures. Oh my, my gosh. Was like this. I, I took a picture of me. I put it next to Phantom of the wow. Opera. I sent it to my plastic surgeon because we're good friends, like best friends at this time. And uh, I said, what did you do to me? I look like a horror show. He goes, Gia, your surgery is 18 hours old. He said, everyone's nose starts out like that. You've done blogs on the subject. I said, I know, but it's really bad. He goes, of course you're going to think it's really bad. You've never seen it that way. It's going to be shocking. He said, your nose is going to be, because what he all he did was thin it here so that it wasn't so wide. And then he made the tip less Joe Namath. Um, but anyway, you can see my nose is not like that, but that's to me what it looked like. So between that and the breast, I then decide, and they were hiding my phone from me. My family was hiding my phone. I was bringing in drugs illegally from Mexico. That's how bad my pain was, that it triggered my drug addiction. And I was bringing in more drugs from Mexico, just knocking myself out on Xanax every day, all day, 180 pills in four days. No. And I faced him. And my daughter, because my daughters were hiding the phone, and I said, I'm starting an organization against plastic surgery and people that have been harmed by it. I was the worst patient in the world. And obviously, I grew to love my nose because my nose changed. It takes seven years to recover from a nose job. So um, I do love my nose. I love my boobs. But I wanted to commit suicide and tried to during the whole boob procedure. Like, went out on the 11th story on Central. I was living in the Sky Rise. On the step stool, no, nothing between me and 11 stories down, in a bathrobe and 120 de degrees, like with tripping on my bathrobe on the stool and my daughter's just grabbing me out of the, I said, I can't do this pain anymore. I just, I have no pain tolerance. So some women oh. suffer well, I don't, I don't suffer well. I, I just keep begging for death and I keep begging my grandmother to come. I sound like a lunatic. And uh, it's not, there's nothing graceful about my recovery. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. In that moment. Wait, you're, wait, I need to interrupt you because you're going to, I feel like we're going to go on for 20 minutes. This is a conversation. Okay. This is a conversation. Okay. First yeah, of all, was in. this your first plastic surgery, the nose job and the boob job? So no, why? But it was my first complicated, major, hardcore. The first one was, what raised, was the first didn't one? hurt, went on a cruising five. I did my eyes. So I did, I removed the hooded lids and then I had the fat removed from here because I had like dark gray circles my whole life from birth. So that pretty much took care of that. And did you, um, I don't even use concealer. Did you do that in, in well, Phoenix or Scottsdale? Scottsdale in, in a hospital with Dr. Bonias. Oh, okay. This, the same doctor who did your boobs and your, and your nose? So he started with my he gave me a liquid facelift when I was, that was 2008. That's when our relationship began and it ended in 2019. And I'm, 
But of course, I still have to refer him constantly because people say, who did you nose? Who did your boobs? So, I mean, I'm still a constant source of referrals. Right. And he'll even send patients to me for me to talk to them about specific surgeries. So you- No, no money, no referrals. So you started with your eyes. And how- I started with my How eyes. old were you when you did that? Forty. Okay. And then, but it wasn't so much an age problem. I've had that hooded and the bags since birth. It's just an Italian trait. And then, um, and then you were in the when you did your boobs and your nose, you were forty-five. No. Twenty fourteen. So. What's uh, 2014 43. 42. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And you have to understand in between all that, I was doing, you know, Botox until I became completely immune. Um, that's why I don't have wrinkles etched, but right now I let my Botox run out. So you see what I look like natural. So if I don't keep up on the Botox, these will become permanently etched. And I've kind of been like toying with the idea of just being a little more natural now. Yeah just from here up. Right. <laughs> um, right. So we'll see. I made that final decision. I like being animated right now. So, but I also don't want those lines etched permanently. So it's, it's a fine line. It really yeah. is. What do you, just as a side sidebar, do you have, uh, is there some negative thing about Botox that you want to not do it or is it just expensive? Um, it, Botox doesn't work for me at all anymore, so I have to do Dysport. Um, Where I live, they want to charge about $2,000 for what I need. So I have to make an hour drive to pay my normal like $200, $250. Um, so it's not that expensive. I can drive, but it's like for what? Ryan's like for what? And I don't know, something about Ryan saying for what? Right. I'm just like <laughs> – Wait for what? And then I'm like, wait, no. Um, Isn't that interesting? So anyway, I'm not. I'm just trying not to do the same thing just because that's what I've done. Right. I'm trying to do things with actual consciousness behind it. Right. So, so right now it's not bothering me, so I'm not doing it. So we'll see for a minute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's my first time since 2008 not doing it though. I did um, go into Miami and for Valentine's Day he got my lips done, so I did update them. Very nice. So here's the problem. And I'm going to, they're not very nice. They're good because she was good. She was really good. But she was very clear to me that they were already, because I've been filling since 2008, I really want to point something out to you. Do you see above my lip where it's kind of shiny, how it's kind of like, it's almost like I could take my liner all the way outside okay, my I lip. I see that. I see, see that. I see that. That's filling old filling, right? That has migrated. And that's what gives it. So right now I kind of think that's sexy. If I keep doing this without dissolving all of this and starting from new at some point, this is going to get more and more ridiculous until I look like one of those other ladies that I don't want to look like. So for me, what's going to happen at some point, I can promise you this, is I will get all of it completely dissolved, which I understand is painful. So I'm going to have them do it when I get my lip lift done. So what that'll do is put my incision right here. Okay. And what that'll do is it'll naturally create the lip I'm looking for just by removing some of that extra skin and I won't have to fill any more. So this is the object for me is not to be filling my lips the rest of my life because they will get weird at some point to guarantee or you have to get them completely dissolved. So how do you dissolve how do you dissolve lip injections? They 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 give you injections that dissolve all of the the injectables. So right now I have injectables also in these columns. I put some uh-huh. here because Bobby taught me that and it really just creates a nice look through uh-huh. here. So I like having, but they don't, they were really accentuated like a month ago, but they really, these dissolve so much quicker than the lips. The big problem with a woman is as we age, the space between our nose and our lip just keeps getting longer and longer. And this is what creates that like old lady monkey look. (laughs) So the next step to really take care of this naturally (laughs) is to do the lip lift. And because I am already getting a little long through here. So I would say by 60, uh, maybe even 55, I'll probably do that lip lift. Wow. I have never heard of a lip lift. 
to make, I stay on top of all of the upcoming plastic surgery and I really look for doctors that are also like trademarked in what they do because some of them that are still alive and holding trademarks, they have like Dr. Giacono in New York, for example, with the mid-plane. I've had a complete lower facelift. I did not do the temporal area, so I did lower. So starting from here all the way down through here, and then I did a platysmoplasty or a neck lift, which did all of this, and then I put a chin implant here so that I could have a profile. I had no chin. So this is an extra large implant, which shows how little of a chin I did have originally. And so what I could do if I want to be psychotic, if I was being filmed every day and I was about beauty and I would probably have them put a little bit of filler right between here and here where you see the shadow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would elongate that with filler and I'd have a glass jawline. That's about you know, 5,000 a year to keep up right. on that. So you start wondering, like, you know, if I had an unlimited bank account, I'm honestly super afraid of what I'd look Really? Like you're, you're like glad that you have yeah. a budget, that you have to be on a budget. Well, and that I had a doctor that said no on a regular basis when I wanted too much or more. Right. And he made you wait for that. For, he made you wait for that lower. Well, he was like, you're my face. You're literally the person that talks about me most in this town. He said, "I, you need to look perfect. Right. He said, I'm not overdoing you. Everything we do has to look natural. Nobody guesses I had a face no. left. Nobody. No. Like it's not something people talk I know. about. And my scars are, you know, minimal because they're hidden behind the ponytail. They're all back here. So you can kind of feel them. And when you cry... When you cry, they get red and they get super swollen. So crying and your scar tissue do not mix. When I was with Billy, I cried for like two years straight. My scar tissue got bigger because of how many times my I was crying and how much my scar. Yeah, I've learned so many things. I feel like like I should be like a coach in the weekly plastic surgery. I think show. you should. That's my favorite. Topic. I think you should, Gia. I mean, this, I really think that you, you have been- Even Bobby would tell me, you're my apprentice. Like, you know so much. I studied so much to be able to write medical blogs and posts mm -hmm. that made sense and kept up with the times. I told him to go live with my surgeries. So after that big knock up with the surgery where I just wanted to kill myself, I told him from now on, I'm staying awake. I said, and you just got to numb me and do the surgeries and we're going to do them live. And he was like, what? He's like, I don't know. I said, soon everyone will be doing live surgeries. We should be the first. We were the first on Facebook to do live surgery. But a doctor, like two months before my facelift, went live with the surgery on Snapchat. And I told him, I sent it to him. I said, world famous he is because he was the first to do it. I said, you still don't want to do it? And we, we literally were doing it then. And so my very first awake surgery was a tummy tuck. I remember that. I remember that. It was... Uh, so, you know, there's, I don't even know what you want to know. There's so much to talk well, about that you have to tell I know, me. I know. So, I know. Well, I know. It's so much. So. What are you most curious about? Like, like, what would you be afraid to ask me and think you would offend me? But what do you think others might be afraid to ask that might be offended? Well, I mean, I think what's interesting and what I want to talk about is, is your journey. Like this started when you were 40 and now you're going to be 50. And so how many, I would say it started when I was 33 because that's when the injectable started and it dramatically changed my face. Okay. So that's, and I think that's when I started doing injections too, when I was in my mid. And I feel also, just so you know, that I should send you some photos so that while I'm talking about yeah. certain things, you can put up a blip. Absolutely. I'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. So you, but you didn't have your first surgery until your eye surgery at 40. You didn't have any, any. Correct. Right. That was the first. Well, that's not true. That That's a lie. Okay. When I was 27, I had two daughters. I was living in the house on Birdie Lane. I went and had surgical liposuction where I was put under. Um, and I had that done on, I had something called lipedema where my whole body was super thin and fit and my legs were just piling uh, like areas. So I had those removed. And that was the first time I wanted to commit suicide over plastic surgery 
it was so many years in between. You don't. It's like having a baby. You don't think about it. It's so many years ago. The pain. You and know? So, 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 but I had a really rough, rough time even that first time. So, and I said I would never do it again. So it's it's a sensitivity to pain is what's making you what you're calling suicidal. Is that it's so painful. And I become also hallucinogenic almost because of the drugs. So I am a 32G, right? When I looked down at my surgery after I woke up in the hospital bed, I looked at him and said, these are flat. Did I just go through all that surgery for nothing? And I was like, like, I have huge boobs. Like, what was I talking? Like, the part about the drugs, people don't talk about that, but the drugs turn you into a different person. I wrote articles and blogs and posts of all about this, how you're going to feel, how it's going to feel daunting and alone and you need a good team around you. It doesn't matter when you're drugged, you're mm-hmm. drugged. So I went through it like like I'd never heard of anything. So the, the, two, and it the, was brutal. the two different, the two times I've had plastic surgery, um, I don't think I took drugs. Um, I, I don't really remember when I had my boobs done. I was like, it was, it was 15 years ago and maybe, no, it just, I mean, I remember being painful. I remember being painful and maybe I took a couple of, like a few days of. Yeah. A regular boob job is not that painful. You add the stratus and oh, the, yeah. you know, lift. Exactly. And, it's a different exactly. and then I did have my eyes done and. That's no big deal. Yeah. And, and that I didn't take any drugs. So, I mean, I think when you start getting into the more extensive, reconstructive, um, you know, kinds of surgeries that, that you've had and many, many people have, um, then you're really having to do pain management for a long time. And as you say, the drugs that they give yeah. you in surgery are extremely strong. I, w- I almost wonder if you have a um, an allergic reaction to something in in those drugs. I don't know because I also have like an allergic reaction to alcohol. The only thing my body can process is marijuana. Anything else, my body just like rejects yeah. it. I throw up from any pain pills, so I have to like take anti nauseas the whole time I'm on pain meds. It's it's rough, and I got to tell you, when I did my facelift, when I did my arms, when I did my belly, we just numbed those areas. And I didn't take hardly any drugs afterwards because we then had discovered Expiral, which numbs my parts for like up to a week after surgery. So I would go in and be fine. So my my last surgeries were all delightful. Even the facelift wasn't bad, really, honestly, and the neck lift. It was really no big deal. And I tell people, you know, you want to talk about all these alternatives? No. When you have extra skin, you have extra skin. And it's so easy for them to just pull it up. It's not like you're going to be Joan Rivers and have 17 facelifts. You know, maybe I'll have one more before I die. Maybe. We'll see how I feel. If he's aging and we still look the same, why am I going to try to look 30 when he starts looking 50, right? It doesn't make sense. But there are certain things. Okay, that I wish that I could have accomplished with my first facelift, like the nasal labial folds. This is, only, in my opinion, I've never seen any other doctor address this other than Giacono in New York, who charges 70000 for a facelift. When he does it, he goes all the way into the mid-plane, and these are completely gone. And what that does for his customer is it makes them look like their teenage daughters. It's insane. This is a huge part of what makes us look older, especially on this side for me, it's really deep and I really don't like it. Well, I, I think you look beautiful. I mean, who wants to look like their teenage daughter? Who wants to look like their teenage daughter? Nobody wants to look like that. You know, I just want my face to match my body. I want my face to match my body. And like, I work really hard to, you know, have a fit keep it yeah. body. And I want this to kind of be in alignment, you know, a little bit. It's really just skin correction more than anything. Our skin just gets heavier and, you know, you, you grow skin every year. So you're constantly growing skin. So you're either going to remove it or you're going to look ridiculous and horribly <laughs> aged. Okay. Right now with the amount of skin my mother has at 74, if she had a facelift, she would just look like just a, a human being again instead of letting this all just <laughs> – it's like a melted candle with all those lines. It's like, 
I can't have that look. I won't be able to do that. Do you watch The Real Housewives of um, Orange County? No. No? No. That's too much for me. I can't. No? Um, no. Well. They take it to the next level of where I really don't like yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and then I was, I was going to tell. I don't like women that much in general. Yeah, I know. You don't. I know. <laughs> I really don't. But, and especially watching them on a show like that reminds me of why I don't. Yeah. They're just so vicious. And yeah. I don't know. I try to be really careful with what I put in. But the, I, I, I understand. I understand. But the reason I asked you about it is because there's one girl on the um, the Orange County show. Her name's Tamara. And she had a lower facelift. She's our age. She might be a few years older, a couple years older now, but her mother, when you brought up your mother, her mother also, she got her doctor to do her mom and her mom needed it way more, obviously, because as you say, she's older, she's never, she's never done anything. And her mom got a full facelift and it was like, oh my God, it took her from zero to hero. And like, you know, one yeah. day. It was amazing. It's just that's for skin. It's nothing to be ashamed about. Yeah. But don't you think also it's nothing to be ashamed about if somebody wants to leave it that way? 100%. Yeah. 100%. When I watch movies back in the 80s and I look at their faces, I just say, thank you. <laughs> hey, what do you think about, um, what is her name? What's the gal who is married to um, Tom Cruise? Yeah, Nicole what do you think Kidman? about Nicole Kidman? Too much now. She's she's gone to the point. Just it's not as bad as Madonna, obviously. Oh um, I literally had to unfollow my hero. I know. I can't look at her. Okay, anymore. let's talk about Madonna. Did she get a butt? Did she get butt implants? Yeah, she's very open about it. They're terrible. It's so embarrassing. She had the most perfect body. It's a lean, I agree. With big boobs, she had great boobs. Even had tits. Right. She was perfect. Yes, her ass was small, but it was muscular. It was muscular. It looked ridiculous. Is she really open about the butt implants? Oh, yeah, because she had an infection. She was all in the news. Oh, I didn't know that. I just saw her butt when she was on the um, I saw, on yeah. the on the award show. I saw her butt on the award show, and it was so obvious that she had a butt implant. So awkward. To, I just don't even want to look at her anymore. So what, and her face, she looks like an alien through here. So what do you think? And that's what a lot of them do. That I don't do fillers in my face because I believe – like for me, what am I going to do? Fucking 70 years of chin filler? No, you put a fucking implant in and now it's solved for. If you have no cheekbones or you really want this to be more pronounced, put a fucking cheekbone implant in, a little tiny one. It'll give you exactly what to keep filling, overfilling, and get pillow face. I mean, even Courtney Cox had to painfully have her whole face dissolved. She looked like a monster. She looked like a lion. Did she, did she dissolve all of that? Yeah, she dissolved it down. If you see a recent picture where they have all three girls aged sitting there, she looks normal again. But she had to dissolve it, and it's painful. So what Madonna's doing is she's filling in her cheeks? She's, she's hyper-filling. She's constantly filling. My guess is she gets filled at least every month. I've never seen it. And that's why I say I, I'm scared of what would have happened if I would have had that kind right. of money. Yeah. And also my image was my entire basis of for life. You know, right. she's, she's a control freak with her macros and everything. Like it's, I just don't know who she is anymore. Yeah. Good. If she's happy, God fucking she looks bless happy. her. But I'm sad that. She yeah. does look happy. It's just easy to look happy for a camera. And she's know. also dating a much younger man, right? So she's 62. He's like 18. No, he's like 25. Right? I think he's 25. 20? Or 22. Is he 25? I think he's 22. Well, he, I think he was 18 when they started dating. I think they've been together a while. I just, I, wouldn't that be, get, get old after a while? I would think. I couldn't. I, for me, like, it's, I don't know. I guess it really, really depends on the guy. Because when I was 40, my boy, my husband was 21. So. But you know him. He was like a neoclassical composer, yeah. Asperger genius. Right. So it just was different. Yeah. Um, but the normal ones, like, no. I, I think once men are 30s that 
he or the man they're going to be. Yeah. So 30s. Yeah. I agree. I think there's a sweet spot between 35 and 40. And, um, so that's, I guess that's where we're at. So back to the plastic surgery. So, um, there is a fine line, right? It's art. It's, it's art. And, and you worked with the same doctor for many, many years. Why did you choose this doctor? And, and, you know, what is your criteria? Um, tell me, tell me about your relationship so, with this physician. My girlfriend introduced me to him and I loved whatever he was doing to her face. She just looked so fresh and polished and tight and lips. And I just, I thought, what the fuck is that? You look edited. <laughs> um, and we all edited our photos before all of this shit too. You know, it's like easy guys. Um, and for me, I'd rather not edit the photos. I'd rather have the Snapchat chin I wanted. Like, right. So wait, what was I saying before that? Uh, just about Dr. Bonias that you were introduced. So my yeah. girlfriend introduced me and, um, he said to me that we could exchange, you know, marketing in exchange for a liquid facelift. So at this point, I had recovered from cocaine. Like, so my bags under my eyes, you'll see them in the photo. They're pretty heavy at the age of 25. Like, they're bad. Um, so I'm excited about this liquid facelift. And, and I've got some pictures that are like, honestly, they're shocking that I was only 33. I looked in my late 40s by that point. My everything was very, yeah. When I think about it, I'm like, wow. And we'll, we'll post so a picture. So he gave me what's called a liquid facelift. I'll send you those pictures. Um, and I loved how it softened all my features. I loved that. And I just became addicted to that. And I just wanted to look like, I thought it was a classic beauty look that he was creating out of someone that had more round bubbly features. And I always wanted that classic look versus that bubbly look that some of my family members had. So like when I looked at like my heroes, like my grandmother, my aunt Linda, they had a very, you know, they had a chin and they had a longer narrow nose and those were things that I thought were attractive and I didn't have those. So when I would see pictures of myself and my gap tooth, like I just didn't relate to what I felt like inside right. on the outside. It's kind of like with sexual things, right? I didn't feel like that person that I was seeing in the mirror and I never did. It always felt off to me. I So I, I felt like my face is my canvas. I'm going to make it look how I want. So what I liked about Bonias and why I ultimately stuck with him, well, number one, we had a great working relationship. I helped build his entire practice. I was there from, you know, rented rooms all the way to his own medical facilities uh, with surgical rooms. So it was fun to be a part of the growth mm -hmm. of a, a, a firm like that. But it was also nice to have a doctor that cared about what my opinions mm -hmm. were. And what I wanted to achieve, you know, maybe not what he wanted for me. Like I told him, I don't want an accentuated Cupid's bow. Like I, I want it to look the way I want it to look. Like, so we, you know, we would go back and forth sometimes. And even when I mentioned the chin implant, he was like, do you think so? And I said, I really do. I've been looking at a lot of facelifts and the ones that I seem to like are the ones that also do the chin implant. Your chin is beautiful. And he said, well, when you're under there, I'll put a few in. We'll see how it looks. So while I was on the table, he put in the medium and everybody was like, I don't even see it. And then he put in the large and everybody was like, oh, that looks nice. And then he put in the extra large and he's like, that's it. And everybody's like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, that's what she wants. She wants to have a, a, a chin that, that is actually standing out a bit. And so I got what I wanted in the end, which was the extra large chin implant. Um, but he had to do his due diligence, obviously, as the surgeon to make sure my face could handle sure. that. So, you know, and now I have the problem that I don't have the strong jawline right here. So if I want it to be perfect, I can either do this, which is just take a little brown. So here's what I do with the surgical things when I don't have them done. I just try to... Fill in the area where it goes down a little. See that? Yeah. See how I just created a better jawline? <laughs> do I want to do that or do I want to spend 5000 this wow. year? Wow. So somebody said to me right now, you can have a gift. Wow. And I'm going to fill this area in for you and I'll do it for the next five years. It's not a gift I wouldn't accept. Right. <laughs> but am I going to want to pay that? You know, not right now because right now I'm not working at all. So I'm just living off my resources. 
But if I was making money, probably and and doing stuff where I was seeing because like I'm telling you right now, I haven't really looked at my face like this till the theater last week and right now on this podcast. So again, now that I have to see myself right, right there, I'm going to start really scrutinizing, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of good to put yourself in front of the camera because you start to see yourself as you really are instead of as you think in your mind. Well, I, and I, also why the scale exists. I loved what you said earlier, though, as far as why you do the plastic surgery. It's because you're wanting your exterior visage to match how you feel inside. And... Um, and and now you feel like you are more in alignment. Like I, I mean, your confidence, your way of being, your you know, to me does match the way you look. You know, you you've. And to be very honest, it's not normal. But my confidence, even when I was two hundred and ten, oh, I'm sure you always have the confidence. Oh, I know. I have always had it, no matter what. It's it's the way I was raised. If we want to really dig into that, so I was the first grandchild in an Italian family. I was told every day I was the best looking, the smartest, the most talented, the most genius, the most talking the fastest, walking the fastest. She sang before she talked. She ran before she walked. When you grow up in that kind of environment to the age of seven every day, you believe you're the best. I had to have that come down in college when I realized there were prettier people, smarter people, more talented. Oh my God. I called my family. I said, you guys are fucked up. They said, no, don't you understand to us? You'll always be those things. I was like, oh fuck. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'll take it. Yeah. But, (laughs) but yeah, you grow, it's how you grow up. I think it's important to really give you, give your kids confidence. Absolutely. But, um, again, I love that you're, 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 you're taking control of, of, of how you, you present yourself to the world and you're, and you're not, you know, there's no shame in your game, you know, and that's, that's what I think is no matter what a woman decides to do, whether they decide to never touch their face or if they, you know, or their body, or if they, if they want to have things done that there shouldn't be shame about any decision somebody right. wants to make. Like this is our, you know, when I, when I got a boob job, I was like, this is my life. And like, I think boobs are super fun. I think boobs are the bomb. And, um, right. and I waited till I was like 35 and I always had cute little boobies. And when I, when I was getting 33, 34, 35, they were kind of like sloping. They were not perky, right? They they were still small, but they were, were losing their shape. And I'm like, I'm not going to live the rest of my life with these slopey little boobies. Like I think right. boobs. Slopey. Great word. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, let's get the boobs. Let's do it. And I'm telling you right. the right. best decision I've ever, ever made. Like I love my boobs. I still think they're like almost perfect, but I will tell you, um, since they're 15 years old, I've been starting to think about like, you know, the expiration date on the boobs. So I had a consultation with my original surgeon who I just love. And, um, he shared with me that, that my particular implant, um, has been recalled four years ago. No. Oh yes, girl. No. Risk of lymphoma. Why didn't you get a notice? The, the, um, the implant allergen um, people sent out certified notices, but I've moved like eight times. So I, they. Oh my God. You have one of those in you? Yeah. Girl, you're lucky you're not sick. I know. I know I'm lucky. So I'm, I'm, I have, I'm getting re- them replaced um, in July. Oh, good. In July. Oh my God. I know. Well, wh- I mean, this is one of the risks. Like, this is one of the risks. Thank God you called me. I know. But this is one of the risks that we have to talk about, which is, you know, when you put, when you put a foreign body inside of your body, um, you know, depending on what it is and who, what your, what your makeup is, your physical makeup is, it could cause a problem. Luckily it hasn't caused a problem for me. If it does, it needs to get out. Say it again. If it does cause a problem, it needs to be removed. But I think that most people, you know, get by without having too many reactions. But yeah. I mean, I had staples in my arm and that didn't dissolve because my body doesn't have the enzyme to dissolve staples. So I had spitting. So I have this terrible scar because I used to have, you know, those women that have like the wings uh-huh. here. So I had the wings removed. <laughs> when and did you do arm, that? The scar is very light. 
I did that 2015 because they were like, I'll send you pictures. Um, but this, look at this scar and then look at the one where they didn't dissolve. I have to have this whole scar revised because spitting sutures were coming out of my skin for 18 months after the surgery. He can't tell me that I'm going to have an enzyme in right. my body that's not going to digest. You know exactly. what I mean? So there can be odd complications as well. You have to be prepared yeah. financially. You know, you have to be in a position where if you have to go back to work while you're recovering. That's so really let's bad. talk about the kind of research somebody should do in order before they make a decision on a surgeon. Like what would, what would be your advice if somebody's wanting to get their eyes? I'm going to give a, one piece of advice that is going to sound absolutely ridiculous and absurd, but it's the same advice when I'm looking for the best pizza in a new state. If 2,000 or 250 people have left a review and you're still at a 4.9 or a five-star rating, you're fucking magical. That's where I'd start my research. Everybody in the world is going to have this hit and miss kind of reviews, except the best of the fucking best. They have fucking all five-star reviews or 4.9 because one motherfucker out of 10,000 did something fucked up. Um, so I literally start there for everything. And I don't just look at one site. I pull them all up. I start with Google reviews because it's the most trusted and the least that you can fuck with. Um, Yelp is just kind of mostly people that complain, like older people that complain about things. So, but Google reviews is a great place to start. It's how I found the best dentist here, the best everything. I really go through the reviews. Really? They're, they're critical. Oh yeah, people. It's the first. Thing what about they do pictures? What about the pictures that the doctors put out? I don't trust any of the pictures. I don't trust any of them. I trust. There's a few pictures that I I do trust Jacono. I do trust him just because he is literally the guy on every stage in every. He's just the number one in the world for facelifts. So I do believe his pictures. But like for example, there's this guy that does lipedema surgery in Florida and. I got into this group and I was watching these girls and their before pictures were being taken standing up and their after pictures are laying down on the table. And I said, let me just tell you, laying down on the table, I look like a fucking hustler porn star. It's only when I stand up and the gravity hits that you can see any kind of anything. So laying down is not how you take your after shot of your fucking client. Wow. And it's certainly not how you took the before. So I call out a lot of bullshit. I'm, I won't put up with any bullshit, but it's very... The people that are really good are, you know, super expensive. Having said that, I've been looking at a lower body lift, which now I'm really starting to really just, I don't know. No. I don't know if I have it in me anymore. Just being honest. Don't know if I have huge recoveries in me again. Um, but I did all the research in the world and it turns out that the best guy in the world is in San Francisco. He's $16,000. And many people are spending seventy, eighty, dollars $120,000 on inferior surgeons. I watch it all over because I... I follow certain keywords and this guy is Dr. Kaplan in San Francisco. He's only 16,000. He publishes his prices on his website too. He's so transparent. And I just think, you know, if I was ever going to do it, that's the only fucking guy I'd go to. And I deal with having to stay in San Francisco for a month. But, um, I watch and I watch with a very watchful eye because I'm very interested. It, I love seeing the transformations and how happy these girls are. But I also have to see some of the pain and disappointment um, because a lot of times the surgery a doctor sells you isn't even what you need. Mm. Some of these girls need skin removed, but instead they're doing lipo. You know, Dr. B convinced me that my arms were fat and he needed to lipo them. So he lipoed them and he got this much fat out in the fucking thing. He goes, my God, I can't get any fat out. It is all thick skin. He's like, your skin is like an ox. I said, I told you. So then when he took it off, it was literally so dramatic because this was a moon. It was a half wow. moon. So skin, there's no fucking cream in the world. No. There's no cream. It's the scalpel. Extra skin is extra skin, no matter where you get it from. When you see my belly and the extra skin, I mean, I looked like I'd been working out for six years after that, but the picture was two hours later. It, it's just skin. Yeah. But some people, if they're fat, and they have the extra skin. The problem is that they don't see the same kind of results. So the results are very varying. If you have somebody that has a ton of thick skin, they're going to have the most amazing result because when you take it away, there's nothing left. And so it just shrinks right. down. Whereas if you're just 
all over kind of lumpy and you get a tummy tuck, you can't even really tell barely. Just your pants fit a little better. So as far as like completing the the research and the due diligence for choosing a surgeon and, and um, going down that route, you go to Google reviews first and then what do you do? You schedule a consultation and see how, how you I, feel with the physician? Yeah, how I feel about the doctor in person. But I've also looked at some of the girls that are in my area that I like the way they look. And I'm like, who are you seeing? One girl, I was like, wow, who did your legs? And she's like, well, I'm in Australia. I said, oh, of course. Um, so I do reach out to people who whose photos have inspired mm -hmm. me. I'll tell them, wow, you did a really great job. Or I'll also sometimes say, hey, he's telling you you need um, blah, 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 but you, it looks like you need a leg lift. And if you don't get the lift, then that skin's going to still be hanging. You're still going to have the same problem. And it's just basically they're going to try to get out of you what they can get out of you because they know you can't afford both. So instead of telling you you should really just save up and do both, they're just going to do whatever it is you can pay them for, for the most part. That's I'd say that's 90%. Really? The other 10 are like, you know, this is what I do. This is what I specialize in. I can't help you to the degree you want to be helped. I can't help you. You know, so you have to make sure your client has realistic expectations. You, I mean, if people knew what you know, I mean, it would be so helpful in order to... I feel like if anybody in the world that was thinking about plastic surgery talked to me on any surgery that I've had or that I've researched, that they would be in a better place afterwards. And I've done this for so many of Bonillas' patients just because they have no one else to talk mm -hmm. to because none of his patients will allow patients to call them at home to talk about their surgery. Mm -hmm. I do it because I just, I know what it's like to feel like and to want to talk mm -hmm. to someone and there's no one mm -hmm. you can talk to. It's a very closed world in that regard. Have you thought about getting into that business and consulting for plastic surgery? Consulting the patient? I have not. If some, like, if some, I'm at the point where I don't want to start a whole new process. If someone could put me in that position, I would be that person. Um, but I don't, this is where the problem is with Myrna and my other business as well. I don't want to self-produce anymore. I have, I speak in sound bites and I can go on for 15 hours and I've done documentaries for A&E Entertainment and I am perfect for this. I don't want to produce myself. Do I want to go on the hunt for a producer? I don't know. I have so much less drive right now at 50. I don't know. Maybe. Interesting. Well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to self-produce. I don't want to do TikTok. If someone were doing it, I can I can provide content all day long, but that's all mm -hmm. I want to do. I don't want any part in the business or That's anything. exactly. That's exactly. You just want to create. You just want to create. And and I'm 100% uh, yeah. with you. I'm 100% with you. And that's why it took me so long to get this project started is because I was allowing the technical part and the editing part and the marketing part and the production part to get in the way of me creating. And so I researched right. and found a freaking production company and said, I'm going to pay you to do this and I'm just going to do the part that I want to do. You know what I mean? And um, mm -hmm. so that's, I'm with you, um, you know, focusing on specifically just what, what is going to bring us joy as opposed to a whole new project is it's smart management of our time and resources. That's for sure. But I just think what, you know, the knowledge. It's not what I bring to the table either. I'm, right. I'm not a producer. I am the talent and content. I can produce like, I can come alongside with the outline and the material information a hundred percent, but the, all the other stuff, I have no interest. I'm with you, girl. So what, what else do we need to know before we wrap up? What do you think you want to share about anything about plastic surgery? Um, anything you think people should know? Um, anything else that you think is important? I think that, you know, the people that want to down plastic surgery, you have to remember that there's always been makeup. There's always been glamour shots. There's always been editing and plastic surgery is just being honest about the things you want to change and changing them permanently It and not changing them in a photo of your past, which is really like trying to change history, which almost seems psychotic. So <laughs> if you don't like the gap in your tooth, 
get crowns. If you don't like your round, bulbous nose, get it fixed. I'm not going to do eight hours a day of contouring to create my Michael Jackson nose and chin and jawline. I wanted the chin forever, not washed off after the shower at night. So if you want to do these things and you want to do eight hours of makeup a day, you know, good for you. (laughs) But I wanted plastic surgery to look like what I wanted to look like permanently Mm -hmm. without highlighting and contouring for four hours before I leave the Mm -hmm. house. I don't worry about, I, now that I have the face I want, I barely ever wear makeup anymore. Yeah. I'm happy to have lashes and the face that I like. Same. Same. Okay, Gia. So what, where um, can people find you to follow you, to learn about what you're up to, to connect with you? What, what? I think the best place is Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Gia Heller. So, so Facebook is still your, your, your jam. Facebook is where 90% of the people over 40 still are. Mm-hmm. And that's the people that tend to be people that are looking to me. The younger generation, only like a real sharpshooter with them tends to look at me. Um, it's the women that are 40 and above that are really looking at me because I'm living the life they want. Mm. So if I'm being honest about the stats, they're still all on Facebook. What do you think about and YouTube? Instagram is- what about YouTube? YouTube, YouTube is good. I just, I don't know that beast. You have to understand I've never done anything there. I know the basics, but I mean, I've been a Facebook expert for so long that, I mean, I just know, I know so much and it's just easy. I can create a funnel and create business quickly and triple the dealership sales Mm -hmm. in 30 days. I just know Facebook and the buying audience is still like 80% Facebook when it's over 40. And who are you looking to connect with? If, uh, if anybody hears this and, and wants to connect with you, I would like people that would like to be freedom entrepreneurs and people that are trusted and respected by a lot of people, but haven't found a way to monetize that. Awesome. So facebook.com forward slash Gia Heller. Thank you, Gia Heller. Well, I love you. I loved it.